Sassy Specula. Sassy Specula. Sassy Specula. You're listening to the Sassy Specula. Hello, hello, Sassy Speculumites. Welcome back to another episode of the Speculum de Sass. I'm thrilled to be back. I unfortunately don't know how to count. Um, and it has been three weeks since I put out an episode instead of the usual two. That's because the day after I put out the season two opener, when estrogen is the dom in the relationship, I flew off to Hawaii for a week and I didn't even think to count that as a week in between episodes. So that's totally completely my bad. Um, don't worry if you were waiting and waiting and twiddling your thumbs, re this episode coming out. You were not wrong. It was me who doesn't know how to count. And for that, I sincerely apologize. Hopefully one of these days I will pick up on the nuances of counting. But you just never know, I guess. We'll find out. Anyways, welcome back to the Sassy Speculum, Season 2, Episode 2. I'm your host, Adrian. I'm a recently graduated naturopathic doctor who specializes in women's gastrointestinal and hormone health. And I truly, truly believe in my patients understanding what is actually going on in their bodies and why it's happening so that they can go out and advocate for their own health when needed. And that is the purpose and the mission of this podcast. Anywho, not much has changed um, on my front since the last episode. Still awaiting board results and still can't work as a doctor yet. But I will be starting practice in October, which is coming up. I'm getting ready to start working, so I am accepting new patients on my website for when that time comes. And hurry, um, reserve your spot now to get onto my schedule because spots are going quickly. Um, In order to get onto this list, you go to my website, www.sassyspeculum.com, and scroll down on the main page um, until you get to the waitlist form. Pop your information and you will automatically be put on the list to be one of the first patients called to schedule once scheduling is available, which should be hopefully by the end of September. So hurry, hurry, get on that list before all of the reserved spots fill up. Moving on, um, today's episode is a little bit different from other ones that I've done in the past. This topic is a very hot topic right now and there is a fair amount of controversy surrounding it, unfortunately. The topic has some uncertain clinical relevance according to the more traditional medical model. However, just like autoimmunity, hormone imbalances, dysautonomia, and so much more, naturopaths have been finding clinical evidence daily in their practices that other medical professionals just aren't looking for, which is why so many patients end up coming to naturopaths when they've run out of answers from their traditional medical doctors. So with the hot topicness, if you've done any research on the topic or have seen TikToks pop up about it or whatnot, some of the information might be different as it's an ever-changing topic and many people get their information from personal experiences instead of clinical research. I am only going to be telling you info that I get from primary sources and reputable places because like always, I love education and I believe in accurate patient education and not education from blogs or social media. That said, nothing that I say today is medical advice. Please talk to your doctor before making any changes to your health, especially because today's topic actually does require a lab test for diagnosis. Another quick disclaimer, the beginning of this episode is going to start out kind of science-y and chemistry-y, but don't worry, I will rope you back in and keep it going. Without further ado, let's dig right in. Today we are talking about the motherfucker MTHFR gene mutation, and if I lost you already listen to this. Your body is made up of trillions and trillions of cells. Each of those cells contains your genes, or 
the set of instructions to make you who you are. That's what genes are. There are around 20,000 different genes making up different segments of DNA that provide specific instructions for certain proteins and or bodily functions. And one of those genes is what I like to call the motherfucker, MTHFR gene, which helps your body to process folate, one of our B vitamins, B9 specifically. Unfortunately, 50% of Americans have this mutation variation, making up to 150 million Americans. So this mutation is hella, hella common. But what exactly is it? MTHFR is a gene that provides the body with instructions for making an enzyme called methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. Say that five times fast. When you take your B vitamins or eat foods with folic acid, like dark green leafy vegetables, for example, this gene helps to convert the folic acid into folate's active form called methylfolate. This methylfolate is absolutely critical for a ton of processes in the body to function through something called methylation. There's the methylation cycle, which optimizes the production of DNA, the metabolism of hormones, and proper detoxification, which we talked so much about the importance of in the last episode on estrogen dominance, and so many other processes are blocked or weakened without appropriate levels of active folate. Methylation is a very simple process that allows some of our internal switches to turn on and off appropriately and efficiently. It's a chemical modification that is happening to DNA and other molecules where one carbon atom and three hydrogen atoms move from one substance to another. In this case, the methylfolate. This chemical transfer of four atoms is needed to regulate the activity of our cardiovascular, neurological, reproductive, and detoxification systems. These four atoms are called a methyl group and come from what is called a universal methyl donor called SAM-E, as in SAM with the letter E, but we'll call it SAMI for today's purposes. SAMI readily gives away its methyl group to the cells who need it. And unfortunately, the system that produces SAMI is reliant on just one switch being turned on by the B vitamin B9 or folate. Simply put, if there is enough B9 hanging out in the body, the methylation cycle will work efficiently and effectively. But as I said, 50% of our population has a problem metabolizing B9. So 50% of our population does not have enough B9 hanging out in their body. Therefore, the methylation cycle doesn't work efficiently or effectively. And this causes quite a few issues down the line. That's pretty much it for the hard-hitting chemistry. If you made it this far, nice. Let's keep going. MTHFR mutations affect everyone differently, and the severity can depend on how many variants you have. You can have one abnormal variant, meaning you are heterozygous, and 20 to 40% of those with MTHFR mutations have just one abnormal variant. If you are heterozygous, this makes the enzyme lose about 35% of its power, knocking the enzyme's function down to 65%. 8 to 20% of people with the MTHFR mutation have two abnormal variants, called homozygous, which drops the enzyme function to a whopping 30%. You get the mutation from your parents, so if mom has the mutation but dad doesn't, you'll be heterozygous, but if both parents do, you'll be homozygous, with two abnormal variants. The more variants you have, the more issues you'll have with methylating. 
So as I said, everyone is affected differently and symptoms can range from long-term health issues to barely noticeable annoyances. When the methylation switch is turned off and isn't creating enough CME, then a number of very well-known molecules and neurotransmitters also cannot be efficiently produced, including melatonin, serotonin, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. Without adequate amounts of these neurotransmitters, one might experience insomnia or sleep disturbances, depression, anxiety, and more. Several other chronic health problems that research has found to be directly associated with MTHFR mutations include ADHD, autism, autoimmune conditions, thyroid issues, cardiovascular disease, chronic fatigue, colon cancer, digestive issues, hormonal issues including estrogen dominance, infertility, PCOS, and way more, migraines, neuropathies, scoliosis, anemia, and even schizophrenia. Now, those are a wide-ranging symptoms, affecting pretty much all of the aspects of the entire body. That's because folate is involved in the formation of DNA and protein metabolism, and there is DNA and proteins in every single part of your body, all the way down to your pinky toenail. Since folate touches every part of your body, if there's a malfunction in the way that you metabolize folate, it has the potential to affect literally any part of your body. I mentioned earlier that the MTHFR gene can help you to detoxify hormones. In addition to detoxifying hormones, it also just helps the body to detoxify in general, and especially works on the detoxification pathways of heavy metals like lead, mercury, and cadmium. And if you have a mutation, you are then unable to detox these metals out of your body effectively. I found this example on Amy Meyer's website, and I thought it was really helpful in understanding exactly how this can affect you. Let's say that you eat a piece of tuna containing 10 parts of mercury. That's an average amount of mercury for a piece of tuna. And you have no MTHFR mutations and your detox pathways are optimal. You will excrete all 10 parts of that mercury at 100%. If you have one MTHFR mutation, your ability to detox the mercury is decreased by 50%, meaning that you can only detoxify five parts of the mercury and you store the other five parts in your cells. If you have two mutations, your ability to detox the mercury is decreased by 90%, meaning that you are storing nine parts of mercury and clearing only one. This is, of course, just from eating one piece of tuna or one tuna fish sandwich. It doesn't include all of our other exposures to mercury that we get on a daily basis and can't control. So as you can see, the MTHFR mutation really does affect us, even if we can't see it happening. The mercury buildup is happening underneath your skin, as is all of the other toxins that we ingest on a daily basis, unfortunately. So what do we do about an unending toxic buildup? Well, our genetics can't be rewritten. It's not like we can go in and put two good copies of the MTHFR gene, and the body can then rewrite its own code to mimic those. Maybe someday in the future that'll be possible, but as of right now, that's some Star Trek shit right there. So what can be done right now while we wait for genetic code rewriting being available for the public? Well, you actually have a tremendous amount of control over how your genes are expressed. Your diet and lifestyle play a huge role in how your genes affect your overall health. As always, one should eat a diet full of B vitamins. The highest folate-rich foods are dark leafy greens like spinach or kale, romaine lettuce, asparagus, broccoli, and avocado. And all of the B vitamins work together. So just focusing on one B isn't super helpful, and you should always try and get in as many B foods as you can. 
Some foods high in other B vitamins like B6 include poultry, bananas, seafood, and once again, leafy green veggies. And foods full of B12 are fish and meats. Those are some of the top three Bs that really work together to aid in detoxification. As a naturopath, I prefer patients to get their vitamins from food instead of supplements. However, with the MTHFR mutations, especially with more than one mutation, diet alone doesn't give enough B vitamins to trick our bodies into methylating optimally, and supplementation is usually required. So yes, I am essentially saying that pretty much everyone should be taking a daily B-complex vitamin. But not just any B-complex. No, no, we wouldn't make it that easy on you, would we? As we've learned so far, MTHFR mutations reduce our ability to move those four atoms around in the process called methylation. Lucky for you, you can purchase B vitamins already methylated so that your body doesn't have to do that extra step that it isn't set up to do. Active B vitamins are simply B vitamins that have already been turned into their most readily absorbable and usable form. Research has shown that three times as much synthetic inactive vitamin B12, another one of our important Bs, is excreted through the urine than the already converted active form of B12. So spending money on a generic non-activated B complex is actually just pretty wasteful because you're just peeing it out. That is, except for the folic acid, ironically. If your B-complex says that it contains folic acid, this is the synthetic, non-active B9 vitamin, it has not been methylated yet, and if you have the MTHFR mutation, you can't methylate it efficiently, we've made that clear. So taking a folic acid supplement, it doesn't fix an MTHFR mutation because your body is not great at that converting piece. And folic acid is actually harmful to the body if it remains unconverted. It attaches itself to the same receptors that the body uses to absorb the ready-to-go folate, and it clogs them up, making them unable to receive the active form of the vitamin. So taking folic acid or eating lots of fortified and processed foods, which is folic acid has been added to a lot of processed foods, it's actually pretty detrimental to your body. And if you have an MTHFR mutation, you are clogging up the pipes with the vitamin that your body can't do anything with. So avoiding folic acid supplementation and synthetic B vitamins in general, and look for the active pre-methylated B vitamins to unclog those receptors and actually increase your body's folate levels and stop wasting your money on shit that doesn't work. There is a specific dose of methylated folate that works best for people with the mutation, and it's absolutely amazing at clearing up many of the issues that come up from the mutation itself, but for an average human who just wants to take a great B-complex, keep an eye out for the words active or activated and methyl or methylated B vitamins. Taking a daily B-complex should improve your energy levels, brain function, eyesight, digestion, appetite, nerve function, hormones, and cholesterol production, muscle tone, and just overall cell health in general, making it one of the easiest and quickest ways to improve overall health and well-being. Another thing you can do to improve how the mutations affect you is to reduce your toxic burden. In general, everyone should probably do this, and we're all told things to a similar effect. But the internet will tell you to take a horse pill supplement, or sit in a sauna for 30 minutes every day, or whatever other unattainable thing is out there for you to spend money on. There's plenty of things that you can do that don't require 30 minutes out of your day, and are also not crazy expensive. First things you can do are filter your air and water. 
sure, a HEPA filter is great and all, but personally, I can't afford a $300 air purifier. So am I just SOL for filtering my air? No, buy one that you can afford. We got a two-pack off Amazon for like 50 bucks, and sure, it's not anywhere as amazing as a HEPA air filter would be, but it's doing something, and one step in the right direction is better than none at all. You can also buy like a Brita filter at probably any grocery store or big box store. Um, for your water, due to pollution and runoff, heavy metals and other yucky stuff can very easily get into your water. If you're older than, say, 25, you can also go to your dentist and have them remove and replace any old fillings that you might have. Until pretty recently, dentists would use mercury amalgam fillings, which leach mercury consistently into your bloodstream. And if you can't detox it, it will just continue to build up and build up and build up. And you can also choose fish that aren't high in mercury as well. Some of us love tuna more than anything, and that's a hard bill to sell. But reducing mercury-ish fish, mercury-ish fish <laughs> amounts is easily doable. Instead of having it multiple times a week, maybe have it once a week. Of course, you're also never going to get out of a Sassy Speculum episode without me listing healing the gut as a way to reduce our toxic burden and heal pretty much everything. I will always say how imperative gut health is in healing most issues, drinking sufficient amounts of water, eating cruciferous vegetables, and sticking to an anti-inflammatory diet all will help you to detoxify your body and reduce your toxic burden. And you don't have to do all three or four of those things that I just listed. Just do as many, do one, just one step in the right direction will help. And if you're new here, welcome to the part of the podcast where I try and convince everyone to heal their gut. If you stuck with me through season one, buckle up, because here it is again. Our bellies are full of tiny bugs that make up our gut microbiome. It's a combination of both good and bad bacteria, archaea, fungi, protozoa, and viruses that just live in the guts of all mammals. The microbiome is involved in multiple bodily processes that are absolutely vital to our everyday health, energy, metabolism, immune system, and mental health. All of these correlations have been proven through multiple different avenues of research, and changes to the gut microbiome has also been scientifically linked to asthma, obesity, metabolic syndrome, IBD, cardiovascular disease, autoimmunity, and even autism. Our microbiomes are pretty much blueprints for making your body do its thing, and unfortunately, this microbiome is super easily disturbed, especially from the exposure of toxins, especially toxins that can't be detoxed out of the body. As we now know, 50% of the population definitely struggles with that, but that number is honestly probably more like 90% struggles with detox in our modern world for a whole host of other reasons. So looking at our gut microbiome, guess who is also in charge of producing folate? A certain species that lives in our guts, you've probably actually heard of it, it's E. coli. But we think E. coli is bad usually, right? Nope. It lives inside your belly for a reason, and it produces folate, vitamin K, CoQ10, and tryptophan, all necessary aspects of your health. E. coli and other bugs, for that matter, are only bad when they become excessive or when there is an imbalance of buggies in the belly. So we know folate is the main thing needed to kick the methylation cycle into gear and produces something called biopterin and eventually produces SAMe. That biopterin, I don't know if I'm saying that right. The biopterin is then used by tryptophan to become serotonin, which is how most of our serotonin production actually is made in the gut. This is an excellent example of how important the bugs in our belly are for both methylation and producing neurotransmitters to keep us healthy and happy. 
Now this might seem like I'm busting off on a tangent, but I promise it's important-ish, or maybe it's at least interesting, okay? Biopterin also helps to clear ammonia from the body. Ammonia is produced from the breakdown of proteins and also from one of the most common GI infections in the world, H. pylori. H. pylori burrows into the lining of the stomach and in order to survive the very harsh acidic environment of the stomach, it produces ammonia to make it less acidic. Any organism that produces a large amount of ammonia in the body is going to increase the demand of biopterin and thus methylation. H. pylori infections affect 66% of the world's population and 30-40% to 40% of people in the U.S. So you do the math. If 50% of people in the U.S. have an MTHFR mutation, therefore having problems with methylation, and 30-40% to 40% have an H. pylori infection, a lot of people are walking around with both. This is an excellent example of how infection can eat up the things needed for methylation to keep the body running and create imbalances in the system, further slowing down methylation abilities. This is true for other infections as well, to name a few candida, like a yeast infection, chlamydia, and haemophilus influenzae, which are all very, very, very common infections. Okay, so now we know a little bit about what we can do re-MTHFR gene mutation, but first things first, we should find out if you actually have one. So you might be wondering, what are the next steps? Finding out if you have a mutation is actually a very simple lab test. If the symptoms I mentioned earlier match you, or if you've been told that you have high homocysteine levels or low folate levels in the past, you should probably get tested to see if MTHFR mutations are linked to those results. Low folate can look like lightheadedness, extreme fatigue, forgetfulness, POTSI symptoms, etc. Also, consider getting yourself checked if you have frequent GI issues or tummy upset, if you've had a miscarriage or recurrent miscarriages especially, if you have long-standing anxiety or depression, also if you have a family history of cardiac problems, dementia, or colon cancer, there is a significant possibility that MTHFR mutations could be behind these family traits, and getting tested should be on your to-do list. You can ask your doctor for lab testing. I'm not entirely sure how much medical doctors are willing to run this test, and you might have to push them a bit, but your naturopath or functional medicine doctor should be very open to it, I'm assuming. And the last piece that I want to talk about today is pregnancy. All pregnant women know that they should be taking a folate supplement. You now know that just any folate supplement isn't going to cut it. And just glancing at the first few prenatal vitamins that I found on Amazon, they mostly have folic acid in them instead of methylated folate in them. So for an MTHFR mutant, they're basically doing more harm than good. There have been a growing number of studies put out over the past 10 years associating a direct link between MTHFR mutations and pregnancy-related issues, including frequent miscarriages, infertility, stillbirths, preeclampsia, preterm labor, premature rupture of membranes, and intrauterine growth restrictions. Why? Because your body needs folate to make DNA and modify proteins, which is all your body is doing during pregnancy. Folate is especially needed for the development of a baby's brain and spine, a lack of which could cause neural tube defects or also autism. 
MTHFR mutations have been so directly associated with autism because remember how I said unmetabolized folic acid attaches itself to the receptors and blocks the uptake of folate? So there's just a plethora of unused and unmetabolized folic acid floating around, and any amount of unmetabolized folic acid is then stored in a space between your cells, and it increases overall body and brain toxicity, which is directly linked to autism. I was at a fertility conference this past spring, and one of the doctors was talking about how important holistic health is and supporting the whole person instead of just supporting her reproductive system, and she treats very naturally and holistically, but someone raised their hand to ask what she thought about the MTHFR mutation and recurrent miscarriages and if they're connected, and she shut them down super quickly and said, I'm going to stop you right there. MTHFR mutations don't matter at all. There's no correlation between folate metabolism and miscarriages, blah, 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 went on a whole rant. Which, to be a doctor and to say that there's no correlation between a necessary vitamin for fetal growth and the absolute loss of fetal growth seems a bit like maybe she should go take a biochemistry class again, but whatever. My jaw was literally on the floor when she said that. And I've heard so many women who have been struggling with miscarriages say, oh, I wish I'd known before. So hopefully for all of you out there who are wanting to someday be pregnant or are wanting to be pregnant yesterday and have been trying, hopefully this episode can help before it becomes a problem. The risk of MTHFR gene is so well researched with pregnancy that you would assume all women would be tested for mutations. But in reality... Most doctors only test after the woman has already had multiple miscarriages and or the baby was born with autism, which to me seems incredibly backwards. Why not test it before it happens so that you can do something instead of allowing it to happen and allow someone to go through the grief of having multiple miscarriages, just nip it in the bud before that happens. Why not choose the methylated folate just in case? Okay, That's my spiel for today. Um, I think that's all I got. A short episode today. Put some sassy staples for today's episode are, number one, MTHFR mutation affects at least 50% of the population. Some studies say up to 80% are affected with the mutation, but testing is nowhere near as common. Let's change that. Number two, it can have a wide range of symptoms ranging from life-changing to a mere blip in your daily life. But the most common symptoms are gastrointestinal issues and upset, mental health and behavioral disorders like anxiety, depression, ADHD, cardiovascular diseases like blood clots, strokes, and heart attacks, scoliosis, peripheral neuropathy, chronic fatigue, colon cancer, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, autism, migraines, schizophrenia, and hormonal imbalances leading to things like endometriosis, PCOS, hot flashes, PMS, infertility, etc., etc., etc. That list could literally go on forever. Number three, folic acid doesn't do shit. If you want to get the full benefit of folate, purchase methylated folate, which can also be written out as 5-MTHF. As long as it does not say acid, it's probably been methylated and an activated B-complex is ideal for most Americans. Number four, there's lots that you can do to, re- to reduce your toxic burden to better your methylation pathways and make it easier for your body to process B vitamins in general. And number five, last but not least, if you do have one or two 
MTHFR mutations, there is nothing wrong with you. Gene mutations happen all the time, and they are actually what make you you. We can't do anything about the genetic code that we've been given, but we can help our bodies to function at their best by supporting the code that we have been given. And that's all I have today for the MTHFR gene mutation episode. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you listening to this much more chemistry-y and science-y episode than usual. It was short, luckily, so you didn't have to listen to that for too long, and hopefully you learned something new and interesting to take to the dinner table. As always, please rate and review the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, topics, suggestions, complaints, or just want to say hi, you can reach me on my social medias at Saucy Speculum or on my website, www.saucyspeculum.com where you can choose to be anonymous if you prefer. Remember, if you're nearby to Portland, Oregon, if you're in the area, um, reserve your spot on my wait list today to make sure that you can get quickly in um, onto my schedule once appointments go live. I cannot wait to meet you and to work together on your health journey. And today's vagina rhyme from my favorite vagina rhyming color book by Marguerite Cutler is... My vag is a starfish, steady and strong, swatting away a weak little prawn. Oh, I also like this one on the other page. My vag is an octopus, squishy and coy, moving with grace, emerging with joy. And you get two. For a short episode, you get two vag rhymes. What a day! Um, and that's it. That's all I got for you guys today. Bye!